Hi, I'm Greg. This is Betsy. And this is Going on 30, the podcast where we look back at movies that were nominated for Best Picture 30 years ago. That would be the Oscars of 1989. This month, we are looking at Dangerous Liaisons. I've always known I was born to dominate your sex and avenge my own. Is there anything I could do to help? Come back when you've succeeded with Madame de Torvel. Yes. And I will offer you a reward. My love. I have this appalling reputation. Yes, I have been warned about you. What is true of most men is doubly so of him. I want the excitement of watching her betray everything that's most important to her. I love you so much. You may genuinely be unaware of this, but I can see quite plainly that you're in love with this woman. No, not at all. Why do you suppose we only feel compelled to chase the ones who run away? Immaturity. Not regular liaisons. No, not your average run-of-the-mill liaisons. <laughs> Dangerous. Then you're tepidly precarious. Right. right. Dangerous. <laughs> precarious liaisons. I have uh, I have a synopsis of this movie. Oh god. It comes complete with character names, which I will butcher. Uh, but let's here's... just apologize to all of our French listeners right now. <laughs> We're just going to apologize. A cruel wager is made between the beautiful but devious Marquise de Martel played Glenn by Glenn, Glenn, Close, Glenn Close and her former lover the Vicomte de Valmont played by John Malkovich that was pretty good the Marquise challenges Valmont to seduce the virginal Cecile de Valange played by Uma Thurman before the girl can be wed as a counter challenge Valmont bets the Marquise that he will be able to bed the devout Madame du Tourvel played by Michelle Pfeiffer Tourvel Tourvel you can do it that's a lot of French Betsy what's your history with dangerous liaisons it's really dangerous Greg I I mean I do remember I did not watch I did not watch this movie at the time R rated historical biopic or historical picture, right? Right. Maybe it appeared like there might be too much sexy time happening. I don't know, right? And it looks like it. this was not a movie that 14 year old Betsy really sat down and watched. I yeah. believe I have watched it in the intermediary in the meantime, uh, <laughs> probably because I watched Cruel Intentions and then wanted to watch the original. Exactly. But, uh, but yeah, so that's really. That was that was my history with this film. So really sitting down to watch it this past week felt like felt like felt like the first time, Craig. Yeah, uh, there were there were definitely way too many scenes of people writing letters on other people's bottoms in this oh. movie uh, for teenage Greg to have been associated with this movie at any point. <laughs> If you were um, if you were calling our previous episode watching Rain Man was watching a dangerous adult film exactly. for you. So yeah, I think that probably not. This would have been right out. I, I I'd say though, um, I did have a vague knowledge that John Malkovich and Glenn Close were in a movie called Dangerous Liaisons, but this is the first time I've ever watched it for this show. 
And it's interesting that you bring up the cruel intentions thing because I don't think I would have understood this movie had I not watched cruel intentions beforehand. I loved cruel intentions. I maybe watched that like a thousand times in 1999. That was in my wheelhouse. That was in my early twenties wheelhouse right there. Yes. Perfect. That and Armageddon. So when they talk about the classics of 1999, cruel intentions are, is often left off in favor of things like the matrix and fight club. But I got to tell you, look back at that cruel intentions. You'll be surprised. Uh, so here's, here's the rundown that I have of the competition between dangerous liaisons and cruel intentions. Okay. Dangerous liaisons, a better movie. And it sort of revels in its sinfulness. That is, it kind of like really, really sits in the space of class and sexual conquest and stuff like that in a way that sometimes Cruel Intentions glosses over. Cruel Intentions, though, Mm -hmm. better ending and an easier to follow movie. It's easier to understand who the characters are and what their motivations are. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Because I did have to keep, like, especially, you know, we'll talk about the end. I was really kind of confused as to what Glenn Close was really upset about the end. Like, there were, could have been several layers what we were upset about. But it's really hard to compete with devout French Catholics. Like, that's hard to really right. get down with when you have, like, all of your, like, servants watching you through a gate with a priest. Yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah, it's just different. It's just different. And so I think that there definitely is more of that naughty, naughty. But they both offer here, you know, here's a window into a world of like high power Manhattan prep schools. And like, here's your entry into a world of, you know, the 1700s in France and the outfits and the dressing and the wigs and the glasses and the stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and the trysts and the secret doorways. And, you know, so both of them offer you that kind of window in to a world that is not yours, not your own. <laughs> Yeah, I guess what I would say is that Dangerous Liaisons gives me a much better feel for why there would be a revolution as a result of the behaviors of these people. Uh, Whereas Cruel Intentions, it's like, oh, okay, that's what preppy rich kids do in their off time. But I'm not going to overthrow their school. Right, I'm not doing – I mean, they're they're basically (laughs) your precursor to your one percenters, to your Occupy Wall Street, right? Like, they might help give you an idea of that. But we're not really making barricades in the streets dealing with. Right. This. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not going to the uh, to the barricade to, no. to, to take on Ryan Philippe. Yeah. No, <laughs> not, not. He'd look good, though. He'd do well. He'd do well in the French Revolution, I think. <laughs> uh, but he would have to die, die tragically. I mean, there's no way he would live. Uh, what's your hot take on this movie? I'm watching this movie. And this is about the 1700s, right? Am I right about that? Like, where are we in time? Yeah, we're we're right. We're like Marie Antoinette, when right? When did the like, French Revolution happen? Like, this is how it uh, happened. It happened after after ours, right? They were like, "Oh, the Americans did it. We'll do it this too." This is great. So, okay, so we're yeah. in the late 1700s. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yes, this is a period film about the late 1700s, but it is also a film about 19 the late 1980s. Looking at it that way, with all of the very problematic treatment of women, mm-hmm. the very knowing dialogue mm-hmm. on the part of Glenn Close, right? You know, the safest victim of all women, you know, that a lot of that kind of the power of your sex and the power, 
you know, of your gender, I should say, the power of your gender and what you can do with that and that it has its limitations, but there are ways that you can work it and wield it and all of that. It became a very interesting film to start watching in that way. Mm -hmm. And especially sitting here and going, how is Harvey Weinstein not involved in this film? Because this feels very much, it's even got Uma Thurman in it. It is right in the wheelhouse there of this exploiting of women, just the, just the staring at the boobs and all the double entendre. She's a, she flowers so gracefully and, you know, all of this Mm -hmm. stuff just seeping into all of it. And it's hard not to see that also as a reflection of 1980s sexual culture. Right. Right. And this, uh, and this idea that it, it all belongs to me because everything belongs to me. You know, sure. that, whether that be bodies or people's money or, uh, you know, th- uh, th- these estates or, yeah, I mean, it's just all kind of, um, like I said, it, it, it kind of delights in its sinfulness. It, de- it delights in this sort of like excess and greed and the ability to, sh- to destroy things just for the sake of destroying them, mm-hmm. um, which is, it's, it's disgusting. And yet it kind of, it's compelling at the same time. Well, there's barely any differentiation between the people in this movie in terms of, I mean, they're all, everybody's white. Everybody's white. Yeah. There is some class difference, but that is not really talked about a ton. You know, poor Keanu. He's just the best music teacher in all of Paris. (laughs) He's, he's, that's not going to get him very far. You know, so sad for him. Even, but even the footman. You know, um, Mr. Capaldi, future Doctor Who, he's uh, he's he's still kind of scheming and conniving and getting benefits from John Malkovich's character, even Mm -hmm. though he's not of that class. But there isn't really a lot of talk about class either. It's really about power and exploitation. And Mm -hmm. is people bored? Like, what does this is? It's this laissez faire attitude of the rich. No, I totally get that. I do have a note here. You brought up Keanu Reeves. Uh, my note says, Keanu Reeves, bless his heart. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Bless his heart, Greg. You kind of get the feeling that Coppola was watching this movie and he's like, I, I got to have that guy in my Dracula movie. <laughs> I mean, that guy's, <laughs> come on. That guy's amazing okay what was happening for him around this time i gotta look him up okay so what i have for keanu reeves is that this is right before bill and ted okay so before this he's done babes in toyland he's been doing a lot of little things before this okay but he's had you know but little like a lot of commercials coke cornflakes uh (laughs) some other some other things he was on mtv but like uh, the Prince of Pennsylvania, I, I did not really okay. register that movie. Dangerous Liaisons, and then Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Bill and Ted. It's like there are moments in this movie where it feels like a Bill and Ted movie, or like Keanu Reeves somehow got in a time machine and went back to, to late 18th century France. Valiant effort. <sighs> Keanu Reeves on the on the reverse, the other side of the coin from Keanu Reeves. Yes. Oh my God, Glenn Close, man, just just amazing. I so I didn't grow up a Glenn Close person. Um, I guess like you know I was looking at her bio, 
of like this run that she's on. And mm-hmm. we'll t- kind of talk about her run a little bit later. But she, you know, she has this incredible 80s run of hits. By the time I get to Glenn Close, she's really in her commercial phase at that point. She's like 101 Dalmatians, Glenn Close, Hook, Glenn Close, Air Force One, Glenn Close. Like she's doing that stuff. And so I never I don't think I fully appreciated what she was doing back in this time because I just wasn't old enough to watch her movies like I couldn't watch Fatal Attraction. I couldn't watch this now that, you know, going back Garp and Big Chill. I mean, there is something about her, her style that I think for us at that time, she would have appeared very cold. There's something yeah. that can be a little still too. She doesn't take the nice role. And then maybe that's what I really love about her now. Is that she would know the value of playing a good, complicated character. She knows the value of playing a villain. Yeah, the way yeah. she bookends this movie is amazing. Yeah. Just starting with putting the makeup on at the beginning of the movie and ending with taking mm. the makeup off mm. at the end of the movie. And she plays it in silence and both are just totally enthralling. I mean, you don't even need dialogue in those scenes. And she has you. She has you, which is which is what the movie is trying to do. It's trying to lure you in her into her trap, lure you into her spider web. And she does that in the span of like two minutes at the yeah. opening of this film. So yeah. uh, best scene from the movie. When Close comes in at the end and she comes into the opera house oh. and just yeah. and everyone starts booing. Right. And I desperately want to fast forward because it's really uncomfortable. But that she gives barely anything away in her Mm -hmm. face. And some Mm -hmm. of it is that, you know, the makeup is on and she's there and and she's just standing there in her box and they're all booing her. That's Mm -hmm. tough. And then Mm -hmm. she just turns around and then goes home and takes her makeup off. And this super, like, I'm just waiting for her to, like, slit her wrists or something. Like, but that it is... Is in your left wondering, is this going to be another hard knock on a woman who's been left for this person? And no, 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 no. Is she can she come back from this or is it all over? Yeah, that that idea, just the booing, the is rough. And I think we all imagine that there are times in our lives when that might happen to us. Just gonna walk yeah. it, they're just gonna, I'm gonna get booed, but to have it um, socially happen. So that's that's contrasted with. The Sarah Michelle Geller scene that's the equivalent in Cruel Intentions is when Ryan Philippe basically like reads her burn book or yes. something. Yeah. yeah. And um, it gets broadcast. And Sarah Michelle Geller actually has a great moment too, where like everyone, she doesn't get booed. Everyone sort of looks at her aghast and she has like that single tear mm-hmm. moment, which. That's interesting because that plays different for you. Like, like you said, Close plays it as stoic, which I think makes sense for this character. Yes. And oh, absolutely. Geller, Geller plays it as she's finally been hurt. Cracked. She's been right. broke. Yeah. Yeah. So. But Close leaves it as a question. You don't know yeah. whether she's been broken. Until she takes the makeup off and you yeah. see that she's yeah. hurt 
underneath. Um, I have a Glenn Close scene also that I liked. It's I call it the virtuoso of deceit scene. I often wonder how you managed to invent yourself. Well, I had no choice, did I? I'm a woman. Women are obliged to be far more skillful than men. You can ruin our reputation and our life with a few well-chosen words. So, of course, I had to invent not only myself, but ways of escape no one has ever thought of before. And I've succeeded because I've always known I was born to dominate your sex and avenge my own. Yes, but what I asked was how. When I came out into society, I was 15. I already knew that the role I was condemned to, namely to keep quiet and do what I was told, gave me the perfect opportunity to listen and observe. Not to what people told me, which naturally was of no interest, but to whatever it was they were trying to hide. I practiced detachment. I learned how to look cheerful while under the table I stuck a fork into the back of my hand. I became a virtuoso of deceit. It wasn't pleasure I was after, it was knowledge. I consulted the strictest moralist to learn how to appear, philosophers to find out what to think, and novelists to see what I could get away with. And in the end, I distilled everything to one wonderfully simple principle. Win or die. So you're infallible, are you? If I want a man, I have him. If he wants to tell, he finds that he can't. That's the whole story. And was that our story? I wanted you before we'd ever met. My self-esteem demanded it. Then when you began to pursue me, I wanted you so badly. It's the only time I have ever been controlled by my desire. Single combat. It's this monologue that she does with uh, Malkovich, sort of towards the middle of the movie where she's explaining uh, the role of women in high society. And when she, when she knew that she was going to have to manipulate others in order to have power over them, because everyone was going to have power over her because of her gender, she needed to, to use whatever gifts she had to take back that power and to reclaim that power. Like she's despicable in this movie but there are moments during this monologue where she wins you over a little bit to her side, or at least to her way of thinking, which, well, uh, which is pretty powerful. With a, with a Me Too lens on it, this whole movie is mm-hmm. super interesting. Yeah. You know, I think because yeah. it's so problematic on so many levels, yet she is speaking all this truth about all of this. And mm-hmm. For a woman of her time and you know the woman sitting there in the theater in 1988 is going to be like yeah me too yeah me too i know what that feels like totally right you know contrast you know when we're going to get to contrast this movie with working girl because i keep bringing up working girl but that will be there we're talking about women in the workplace and power i mean that 
I think that yeah. that is the some of the themes running through some of these movies that are not Rain Man and the Accidental Tourist right. are power and women. Because we can talk yeah. about, do we want to talk about the best actress situation or you want to hold that? Yeah, let's, no, let's talk about best actor now. Okay, so, so she loses. Oh, Spoiler okay. Alert, right. But she loses to Jodie Foster from The Accused. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And Accused not nominated for Best Picture. Really nominated for Foster's performance of a woman who's gang raped in a bar mm-hmm. and her journey back, you know, the court case and all of that. And it's interesting to contrast these two, these two roles. Yeah. You know, yeah, only... Glenn Close's character, I'm sure Glenn Close's, if Glenn Close's character existed in a historical context, she's been raped too. Well, that's what's implied in her monologue. That right. She gives. Yeah. Right. Who is your best actor for this movie? I mean, we, yeah. Glenn Close. It's, it's a given. I, mean, I have an honorable mention. Oh, who's this. that? Mildred Natwick. She's the aunt? <laughs> yeah, she's the oh, aunt. Oh, God, really? To leave is the last thing in the world I want to do, but I'd rather die than have to live with the guilt. My dear girl, none of this is any surprise to me. The only thing that might surprise one is how little the world changes. What should I do? What's your advice? I remember rightly in such matters, all advice is useless. I've never been so unhappy. I'm sorry to say this, but those who are most worthy of love are never made happy by it. But why? Why should that be? Do you still think men love the way we do? No. Men enjoy the happiness they feel. We can only enjoy the happiness we give. They are not capable of devoting themselves exclusively to one person. So to hope to be made happy by love is a certain cause of grief. I'm devoted to my nephew. But what is true of most men is doubly so of him. She has uh, she has a scene with Michelle Pfeiffer after the uh, initial attempt that Valmont makes to sleep with um, Madame de Tervel. But it's uh, it's talking about what the difference is between men's pleasure and women's pleasure mm-hmm. uh, in the world that they live in and how. Pfeiffer's character needs to recognize what that is in order to live a happy life moving forward. It's defeatist, but it's it's delivered in this really powerful way. Thurman is interesting. Uh, a, a little too, a, a little too ingenue. Yeah, very young. She's like yeah. seventeen. Yeah, when they filmed this movie, She's and it shows really young. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And you know, cast some for that naivete and innocence. Mm-hmm. That that is something that you can that undercurrent that you can cast for, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay, let's do some stats about this movie real quick. Okay, let's do. It. Opened on December twenty third, nineteen eighty eight, which was the same day as Accidental Tourist. But here's the thing about eighties openings. I said this about Accidental Tourist too, and I should probably give this caveat. Uh, movies didn't open all in one day like they do now. There were rollouts for movies. 
So it opened on December 23rd, probably in L.A. In um, so that it would get nominated yeah, for L.A. and New York. Open on it's the coast. Wide, it widely releases like in February of 1989. So just kind of a lot of these, when we say they're released, it's usually like their awards release date is mainly. Um, it ended up grossing $34 million. It was the number 32 ranked movie of 1988. Today, it would be number 56 in 2019. It's the number 2,431st top grossing movie of all time. Between Addicted to Love and License to Kill, this is ahead of a Bond movie. It came came ahead of a Bond movie. Patrick Dempsey. Is that Addicted to Love? No, no, that's Can't Buy Me Love. (laughs) Who's Addicted to Love? Addicted to Love, uh, that's probably one of the Corey movies. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. That feels pretty high. That's pretty good. Feels pretty high. Uh, you know who didn't like it, or didn't love it anyway, was Roger Ebert. And absorbing... There and wasn't seduction. enough sterility in this movie for him? I'm sorry. There was no no sterility in this movie. Yeah, this was no accidental tourist for no, Roger Ebert. Uh, no. Okay, so what Roger... <laughs> An absorbing and seductive movie. Three out of four stars. Liked it, didn't love it. Damn. How did it do at the Oscars? It won three Oscars. Betsy, can you guess what Oscars it won? I have not looked this up, Greg. Um, yeah, I know. This uh, is one of my favorite games. Best costumes. Because mm. it's a period film. Ding, ding, ding. Absolutely. Yay, excellent. Okay. Um, um, score? No. Nominated for score. Doesn't win. win. Malkovich doesn't win, does he? No. Not even nominated. Um, okay, I'll give you your okay, other give, two. Give me, okay, give me. Does, does Fife uh, win for supporting? No. No, nominated them. Nominated them. Okay. Best costume design, yes. Best art direction for set design. Of course. I'm sorry. I am not fully mm. thinking through this period <laughs> drama and the Oscar nominations. I'm very sorry. Okay, yes. And? And this was your winner for best adapted screenplay. Oh yes, because this was a this was a it was a book, right? It's a book. Yeah, it's a play or something. Play and there's something like a long play. history. A yeah, there's a long history of this it's because old. um, yeah, there's a there's a period there where like Alan Rickman plays Valmont in like several BBC Absolutely. like films oh, or something. Alan Rickman, yeah. R.I.P. Alan Rickman. I love you. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Uh, nominated, like you said, Best Actress, Glenn Close, Best Supporting, Michelle Pfeiffer, and nominated for Best Score. What do you want? Uh, I don't know. What do you think? No! All right. I just want you to give me a kiss. A kiss? That's all. And then will you go? And I'll go. Promise. Whatever you say. All right. All right? Very nice. No, I mean, will you go now? Mm, I don't think so. But you promised. I promised to go when you gave me a kiss. You didn't give me a kiss. I gave you a kiss. Not the same thing at all. And if I give you a kiss? Let's just get ourselves more comfortable, shall we? Uh, Okay, so we got to talk about the legacy of this movie. And we've already touched on a little bit of this, but you can't talk about this movie without talking about sexual predators 
in the Hollywood system. So the Uma Thurman assault scene mm-hmm. is hard to watch in this movie. It is really, really. It really and, just all that rape culture. You will eventually want this. Right. Just let me keep doing it. Yeah. And oh my lord. It's this whole gross thing, man. Well, and it and makes just, me wonder like how this played at the time. Like would people have glossed over the like how would this have been viewed? Because it's still it seems like it would still be shocking if you were to see it in eighty eight. Well, but at the same time, and I know this is not popping colors, but like when I talk with my kids about kind of the etiology, like, you know, mythical stories that tell us why things are the way they are. And you look at the Adam and Eve story, because I was thinking a lot about this with this Uma Thurman character, because what he ends up giving her is knowledge, right? right? And that's what Eve's real temptation was about, knowledge and being like God, right? And now, but he's given her more knowledge than she should know. Mm. And that more knowledge than, you know, the streetwalkers in Paris, Mm. And they won't even do some of the things that she's now done. And so it's going to be so shocking for this ex-husband of Glenn Close's character that she's supposed to marry. And, but that in that, in the Adam and Eve story, one of the things that Eve is told is that she, you know, she childbirth will now be super painful, but your desire will always be for your husband. Mm-hmm. So you'll want it. You'll want to do the thing that will get you pregnant that will then lead to pain. And this idea that women, they just really want it. You just have to talk them into it. And yeah. so I don't necessarily know whether this scene would have been looked at with that much protest. Sadly. So I'm thinking of two narratives that exist in the current day of Harvey Weinstein, who's vilified. And the celebration that I saw of Robert Evans' life, who seems to have at least conceivably done something similar to what Harvey Weinstein did. And it's like, what are what are we talking about when we mm-hmm. talk about the system? You know, it also made me think about the Valmont character. At no point did I find him sympathetic in Dangerous Liaisons, but I found him completely sympathetic in Cruel Intentions, the Ryan Philippi mm-hmm. equivalent in Cruel Intentions. And the movie plays it that way. Like he's somehow, there seems to be this reconciliation between him and the Reese Witherspoon character in Cruel Intentions. In in a way that doesn't exist in this film, and this film felt a little more accurate in that regard. You know, it's well, like and I think this is a this is a scumbag. And cool intentions be has been softened. There's a little Vaseline on the lens for the whole story. Yeah. Hence, you know, the the Sarah Michelle Gellar et cetera. I'm sure you're really just seeing the true love and life shining through of Reese Witherspoon and Ryan Phillippe put together. <laughs> intentions. I'm sure that's what's softening all of it. And did you know that? Um, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and John Malkovich got together in this film, like for reals. Oh, no kidding. Oh, no kidding. But I, I, I agree with you. I think it's, it's a difficult scene. It is, it is, mm. it's really tough, but mm. I think it comes from a tale as old as time. And I'm not talking about Pfeiffer comes from just yeah. the pervasiveness of notions around women and sex. Standard going on 30 question. Okay. Who is this movie for? Betsy. Mm. So far, your answers to both Rain Man <laughs> and, and Exodus. Let's just name that they are the economic powerhouse at this point. They are in the 18 <laughs> to 35 demo, a lot of them are. Am I correct? Maybe. It's true. It's sort true. of. Um, 
Yes. <laughs> Boomers okay, so- that are in relationships like Macon and Sarah's from from accidental tourists who need to watch sex in period clothes, like okay. have a boring life. I don't yeah, know. you've touched on you've touched on my answer, which is period period movie fans. Yeah, it's a period movie fan, <laughs> which is a real Oscar trope. Like that's how I move thing. the costumes. Huh? Yeah, so I, I looked back through the list and I was like, well, what period movies would have led into this? Like, what would have been the marker that we would have seen where this would have been greenlit? Amadeus is what I came up with. Absolutely. Yeah. So Am- Amadeus wins the Oscar in 1984, and this thing goes in pr- into production immediately, is what I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Definitely. And it's funny the- now that we'll, when we talk about period movies and when we get to what I'm really excited about is rewatching Working Girl. Working Girl <laughs> is now a 1980s period <laughs> piece. When you look at it now, I just find that funny. Okay, yeah. Uh, I am fascinated by John Malkovich's hair. I'm just going to name that. There's the wigs. Uh-huh. And then it's when the hair is long, which I'm right. like, that cannot be John Malkovich's hair. So is he wearing a wig to for the time when he's not supposed to be wearing a wig? Do we really think it's his hair? It could have been his hair. It was wispy, and you could see the bald the balding happening. Yes. I don't know how bald he was at this point, though. So, But looking at the movies around it, I'm not seeing... You know, the remnants of this very long brunette head of hair that he's sporting in this film. Is Malkovich good? I think he's good. Is he? <laughs> I think oh, he no. Is. I mean, he's such a weirdo and the loveliest, strangest. I mean, okay, so Malkovich has like a he has a run too. Um, with this movie of mice and men. You know, I think he gets nominated for In the Line of Fire in the early 90s. But by the time you get to like mid 90s, late 90s, he's doing self-parody. He's doing Con Air. He's doing being John Malkovich. I mean, he's he's kind of doing cult stuff. Rounders. It's almost like he starts off on this path of I'm a great actor and then falls into these bizarre movie choices in the mid 90s, which I'm which I'm sure got him paid. And now he has like a Netflix career. Well, he's not your typical leading man, nor was he your typical leading man of that time. Mm-mm. And I, I, you know, it makes me curious about who else auditioned to play this role. I'm, I'm interested as that they were yeah. going for something. I, th- I feel very specific, S- especially. I also found having an English director and mm-hmm. not really casting many English actors in this, at least in the leads, and. I think there was something specific about him that that was wanted here. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's putting our figure on what that is. I mean, he does have a good stare. Uh, he stared at people's boobs. He stared at people's faces. <laughs> he stared at everything else. There's a dangerous quality to him, and I can't put my finger on why it's there. So Empire of the Sun would have been before oh, this. Love that. And it was there seven. then. Yeah, 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 yeah. So good. Um, I mean, the way that he cre- treats Christian Bale in that movie, it just has that that hint of like protection and menace at the same time. Yes. So, yeah, I could see it. I don't know. I think Malkovich is one of those people that we just 
close our eyes and say, yeah, I guess he's good. But he's also he makes weird choices in his movies. He does, a lot but of I time. think I think of him as an actor. He's not yeah. an actor. He's an actor. <laughs> and he acts. Yeah. Like that is, I mean, you know, the difference between a movie and film. And maybe right. you just don't get him, Greg. I also yeah. think he's Fun. he also has an incredible presence to that feels like oh, I want to see him on the stage. You know, there's a physicality well, to him. I like that. I think the way he moves and how he makes me wonder how he is on set. That's interesting. That's one of the notes that I have written down here is this feels like a play. Yeah. This feels like I'm watching a play. And I think Malkovich helps with that. I think Pfeiffer actually helps with that. And um, and then, I don't know, Glenn Close feels like she's in a movie. Uh, the hissing that John Malkovich does at one point in the movie, when Which, the stage direction is hiss at another character. Right. Which I interpreted as him being serpentine, like him being snake-like. Yeah. In the way that he was treating other characters. And he just did that literally. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about someone who is likable, which is Michelle Pfeiffer. The Fife's all day long. This is the, the rocket Fifes. to her back. So, okay, so sh- this movie for her is bookended by Tequila Sunrise coming into this movie and Fabulous Baker Boys coming out of this movie. Fabulous Baker Boys is going to get her a Best Actress nom. And then she's going to get another one later on. I can't remember for what. And before Tequila Sunrise, we're talking Married to the Mob, yeah. Witches of Eastwick. Oh, her Lady, 80s run is great. Lady yeah. Hawk, Grease 2, underrated, slightly, yeah. but not by much. <laughs> she does. And it's interesting to look at the age differences on these three actors, right? Glenn Close is the oldest of the three of them. So she's born in 47. You know, Malkovich is 53, and then Pfeiffer's 58. Wow. So I was not expecting the age diff on Close and Malkovich. And I, you know, I think, that, I think that Pfeiffer is an interesting case because I think that the height of her power in Hollywood is Catwoman for Batman Returns. Yeah. And I think that that dings her a little bit, too, at the same time. And I don't think she ever really gets it back after uh, after the Batman franchise, even though I think that she's great. And I think that obviously everything was leading up to that. And that was a great payday for her. But then like on the other side of that, you know, it's like what Dangerous Minds and some stuff like that. But I don't know. It feels like it's dwindling after that. But I really feel, I don't know, I guess I feel that Fabulous Baker Boys was really... <sighs> Fabulous Baker her, Boys is great. Her height. Yeah. That was a great yeah. movie. That was a great showcase for her, too. And it was her really stepping out and, you know, in in, in ways that she hadn't been able to before. Mm-hmm. I, also, I also thought her portrayal in this movie was great. I thought she did oh, a good she... job. Super, super pious. Just that scene when he rejects her. Mm-hmm. You know, I I had no other choice. I'm sorry. And right? it would you be know? easy Ugh. for her to go over the top. Like, she basically dies of, like, a broken heart, right, in this movie. And it would be easy to, like, kind of take that over the top in an acting choice. And she takes it way low, you know, and plays it really quiet and really soft. And I think that that's a great choice because it, I don't know, it just makes it more powerful at the end. 
So she loses to Gina Davis. Yeah. For Best Supporting Actor. She is also up against Joan Cusack and Working Girl. Sigourney mm-hmm. Weaver, also from Working Girl. So, so Sigourney Weaver is nominated in Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress right. in the same Oscars. And Frances McDormand from Mississippi Burning. All of these movies we're going to see. All of them. I don't um, know whether I agree with the Gina Davis win. I don't think I do. Yeah, I don't think so. No. I don't think so. Um, okay, let's rate this thing. Out of five. Out of five stars that you can possibly give it, what are you giving Dangerous Liaisons? We're getting, we're rising, Greg. Rising. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm surprised. I'm, I thought we would be divided on this movie. I didn't think you, you would I'm, like this movie. I'm giving it a four. I'm giving it a four as well. We are oh my gosh. Oh, synced oh my up four out of five. Here are my notes after four out of five. It's a really good film. It's a really good film. Stellar acting. And it's got a level of craftsmanship that lets me know that people really put an effort into this thing. They put a lot I of mean, effort into it. When you can really get good blood in snow, mm-hmm. like really someone mm-hmm. bleeding out in snow, it's mm-hmm. pretty good. And granted, I do feel like I could have had a slightly better uh, dueling coach. I felt they were the, the, the duel felt very labored. Uh, Not exactly the dramatic finish I kind of... Neither of those characters are... I think I could take both those characters in the duel. I think that's what I'm saying. I could take down Keanu and John Malkovich. Not Maybe not at the same time. But I could duel them and do better than I think either of them did in that duel. (laughs) So I wanted it to be a little more... Is this a David and Goliath situation? Is someone better at this than someone else? You know, granted, John Malkovich had more of a footman assistant, more like extra swords... But I really wanted there to be some more narrative. And then he dies. And he's just like, you got to take the shot, kid. Like, it's okay. Yeah, oh, no, man. I refer back to my original note of Keanu Reeves, bless his heart. Bless his heart. <laughs> and he will deliver that message of his whispered in the year of dying Michelle Pfeiffer. So, so you right. didn't want any dying in the in the cruel intentions, Greg. You you didn't you weren't looking for that. No, I was not looking for that. I, as a matter of fact, when this film was coming to an end, and Michelle Pfeiffer, okay, spoilers <laughs> for a thirty year old movie, dies at the end, I was she like, dies, but wait a second, she's, she's supposed to drive away in a car. <laughs> no car for her. There's no carriage that's taking her somewhere else. Sorry. What's happening right now? No, she dies That's... in a convent surrounded by nuns, Greg. How and which I did find that bed very interesting. I'm interesting. like, is this how I'm going to go as an as a priest? Is this what's going to happen? Like candles around, curtaining. I have a oh. tougher a tougher question for you than I thought it would be. Actually, what? How did they heat that uh that that uh that convent? Is that the question? Yeah, yeah. I don't know how they did it either. Yes. Would this be nominated for an Academy Award today for Best yes. Picture? Yes. You think so? I do. I think so. What do you think? I have it as a no. I have it as a no. I think that this would have been nominated right up until the Harvey Weinstein scandal broke. I just think it's it's too... Okay, so here's what I think. It's here's too what I think. much. It's I too don't much. know whether it would have been filmed this way. Do you think... if Here's more. The, here's the better question. Would this film get made now? Would they edit it? Would they change it? Can you? Right? 
he would not have sex with Uma Thurman after she had said no repeatedly the way she did in this film. That would not happen. Even though he is an ass and we're supposed to think he's an ass. Right. I mean, I'm not arguing one way or the other. I just I, I just can't see it. Can't yeah. see it. Unless they spin it to where they're exposing the CD. Oh, sure. Yeah. And to be fair, he does get stabbed at the end, which maybe that's, you know, that is what it is. Even though he doesn't seem too plussed about it at the end. <laughs> right. As he dies in the thing, he knows he deserves it. Yeah, and I think that is actually you're watching someone who's essentially performing suicide by duel. Right. I mean, that's what that's what you're watching. He he runs into the Keanu's sword. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Where does this rank with the other films that we've seen from the 1989? It's number one right now, Greg. With a number one, are you kidding me? With a sword, it's number one with a sword. Not hard. It's not hard to do that at this point in our process to be <laughs> the accidental tourist is bleeding out in the snow. <laughs> it's not. It doesn't even get snow, Greg. It's a rainy Baltimore street, and it's just sad. And there's Edward the dog sitting there, parking oh, no. over the body. Oh no! Sorry, accidental tourist. <laughs> okay. Just... Uh, I agree with you. I have Dangerous Liaisons first, Rain Man second, Accidental Tourist third in our current ranking. Um, okay, Dangerous Liaisons is in the books. Yeah. Uh, next up, we're still putting Working Girl on hold. Oh, I knew it! Because you're now <laughs> saying we're going in alphabetical order. So does Working that mean... Working Girl needs to be our last, because we've built up Working Girl. It needs to be... Our I'm finale just, just for this commuting 89. socks with tennis shoes <laughs> or on fairies. I feel like working girl is going to cleanse cleanse our palette of eighty nine movies. So let's but get I to think Mississippi it's Burning. Be super problematic. All right, Mississippi Burning. Mississippi Burning next. Working girl last. Thank you, Betsy, for going down this dangerous liaisons trail with me. I hope it was not too dangerous. It was. It was. Minorly <laughs> inconvenient. <laughs> it was hard to tell people, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. I, at the moment, I can't come out right now. You know, I'm watching Dangerously as well. <laughs> <laughs> on Saturday afternoon. Yes.